With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Don't forget to pack the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies for a post-lunch pick-me-up. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Welcome back to Sharp Money. Be sure to buy or download our 2023 football season package. We're going to have previews for every Division I team. This is college football, by the way. Best bets on futures and season win totals. How to handicap using the power ratings and also how to interpret betting splits for profit. Our summer kickoff special for this college football package, only $175. You can sign up at vsin.com slash subscribe. I actually have some write-ups, some win totals that are in this college football guide that we will get to a little bit later in the show. That's Amal Shaw. I'm Jared Smith in for Patrick. Today, this is Sharp Money. Um, all right, let's get to what everyone is talking about today in the college football landscape, and that is the uh, four-game suspension for Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh. And to help us sift through this very interesting story, Anthony Broom of the Wolverine.com, uh, Michigan beat writer. Follow him on Twitter, at Anthony T. Broom. And, Anthony, when I saw this story today, it I, I didn't really know what to make of it, and then I dug into it a little bit, and we got some... I guess, interesting comments about what he said to the investigators that they thought was a lie. And it's not the actual transgressions that is the suspension here is the problem, Anthony. It's what he said to investigators when they were trying to sift through it. And that's why Coach Harbaugh sidelined for the first month of the season. Yeah, I mean, when you sift through what the the allegations from the NCAA actually were, I mean, they're all pretty frivolous. in the grand scheme of things. I mean, they Michigan's accused of basically uh, an analyst was coaching on the field. Uh, I think it, during the 2021 off season, uh, there was an impromptu lunch visit to a, uh, a bar and burger joint in town with recruits uh, and Jim Harbaugh. Uh, they were watching players do workouts via zoom, which other, other coaches, including Kirby smart, by the way, have admitted to doing this, by the way, and there hasn't been any uproar about that, but we're not pointing fingers here. Uh, but it's one of those cases where uh, the perceived cover-up is, is worse than the crime. Mm. Uh, you know, it's not my it, – I don't think that Jim Harbaugh is – again, it's all semantics here, but you know, I don't think he was lying or, or misleading them. I think his approach was simply, I, I don't recall that happening. And clearly they have some sort of receipt of, of – some of these transgressions occurring and um, he won't come out and outright admit that there was any wrongdoing. So, uh, you know, when you lie, you know, I've, I've likened the, the NCAA to kind of mall cops, especially when we're in a time and place where, you know, they're, they're losing more power and more authority than maybe they ever have. Um, 
you know, it's it's still the governing body of your sport of college athletics. And if you are caught lying or misleading or not cooperating, I think that's the key term. It's more of not a non-cooperation. Um, that is considered a grade one violation, and that can come with up to a six-game suspension. Now, as things stand right now, uh, it's at four. And for Michigan, I mean, it's not – it's probably not super consequential because we're talking about a team that has national title type of talent, and you're playing – East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green, and Rutgers to start your season. Um, but that's also a third of your season, too, in a time where, you know, September isn't when your your team is what it is at its best, but it is when you're building your identity and, and kind of, you know, forming that callus that takes you through the rest of the year. And, you know, if your coach isn't there the first four games of the year, that's, um, you know, it, it's, not, it's not not impactful. So, yeah, I mean, I think this is uh, – you know, from a Michigan perspective, you're, it's, I think at this point it kind of is what it is, and you take the punishment and you move on and you put it behind them. Um, I know they've been working on this for months. I think, you know, kind of the scuttlebutt has been if Jim Harbaugh would admit any type of wrongdoing, it's probably a lessened punishment. But uh, my understanding is that Michigan and its administration have kind of dug their heels in on this to just kind of show how silly and frivolous it is when there's a lot of other things happening, you know, happening rampantly across the sport that kind of get turned a blind eye to. Yeah, Anthony, you're absolutely right. As an Ohio State Buckeye, to me, it's, it's the penalties are so arbitrary. I, I mean, I'm still waiting for North Carolina to get punished in basketball, but I'll probably be dead before that happens. <laughs> and, you know, I just don't understand how they reach this conclusion. Let's go to the Wolverines on the field. I think this team's got a legitimate shot to finally win a first whole national title since 1948. Um, but my question to you is, can J.J. McCarthy actually take the next step forward? Because the running back tandem back there is, to me, the best in, the co- in college football. But is he a guy in a tight game that he's going to be able to win the game for them? Yeah, I think he is that guy because I think when they were in those types of moments last year and, and you know, they, for the most part, kind of skated through last season. But when things did get tough, um, the pressure was ramped up, you know, in that Illinois game after they lose Blake Corum. You know, he makes enough plays late to lead them to a win. Uh, the Ohio State game where, you know, Ohio State did a pretty darn good job of stopping the run. And uh, no Blake Corum in that game, and JJ McCarthy steps up, and you know there were some trans, you know, transgressions in the TCU game, a couple pick sixes, but you know Michigan's not, you know Michigan gets blown off the field in that game, uh, you know if he's not there to kind of lead that furious comeback. So for me, I think he is, you know, there's so much of this sport now is what you have at the quarterback position, and I don't know that Michigan's offense, I don't think Michigan's offense is going to give him the opportunity to put up these, you know, video game type of numbers. But um, in terms of a guy who I think has, you know, a complete dual threat skill set, I do think that he is a first round talent when the NFL does come calling. Um, you know, I think he's, I think he is capable of, of doing more for them. I think you can put a little bit more on his plate. And that's, that's kind of been the storyline of the off season is, you know, so much of this team is a known commodity. And in a lot of ways, the quarterback position is too, but um you know, when you have a guy that can run the ball like he can, and you have a guy who has the arm talent that he does, um, how much more are you able to put on his shoulders? And I really do think the answer is a lot more. So, uh, and now when you're looking at a situation where if you're without your head coach the first four weeks, your player leadership and, you know, by extension, your quarterback is going to become so much more important. And um, that's why in the grand scheme of things, I mean, when we all, when we link all of these things together, um, I'm not super worried about them 
not having Harbaugh those first four games because, you know, I think so highly of McCarthy and those player leaders that they do have on the roster. Jared, I think they could pull somebody from the stands to be able to coach the first four weeks. I agree. And we're talking to Anthony Broom from the Wolverine.com, Michigan beat writer. You can follow him on Twitter at Anthony T. Broom. That, that's why head coaches rarely tend to move the market, especially at the college level, because, again, the assistants are so much more impactful. So the Heisman odds right now, Anthony, you, you see – Blake Corm at 28 to 1, JJ McCarthy 18 to 1, uh, and these numbers are via DraftKings. I'll be honest, I think that should be flipped. I, I think, and, and I know quarterbacks have been the soup du jour. They've won six out of the last seven Eisman trophies. You had the wide receiver winning it a couple years ago, and you haven't had a running back win it since Derrick Henry back in 2015. But if you were going to ask me on Michigan's team, which player has a better chance to win a Heisman, is it Blake Corm or JJ McCarthy? I would give you Blake Corm. Do you agree? I think I would agree with that, especially given that he's probably in New York at that ceremony and maybe wins it if he stays healthy last year. Um, you know, missing that last, whatever it was, game and a half uh, that he didn't play. Uh, you know, if he has, you know, if he stays healthy and then has the performance that, say, you know, a Donovan Edwards did in that Ohio State game, I think Blake Corm's not only at that ceremony, he probably wins the award. So, uh, you know, I have questions about, you know, if the thing of it is, I mean, I think in an ideal in an ideal situ, uh, situation, um, Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards. It won't be. I don't think it would be a true timeshare, but you want to keep those guys. You know, both guys are going to need to get their touches. So I would even, you know, given the fact that Edwards is, you know, a better, basically a slot receiver playing running back, I would almost kind of put him in that Heisman mix as well. Mm. Again, it all depends on health, but um, you know, I, I don't know that. It's going to be really interesting to me to see what that workload looks like for Blake Corum because Edwards was banged up last year as well. You had a lot of games where uh, you just kind of had to ride Blake Corum for the 25, 26, 30 carries that he would get. And, you know, I don't know, you know, given that he's coming off of an offseason knee surgery, I don't know. It's just going to be interesting to see uh, how that breaks down. But, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, with as talented as J.J. McCarthy is, all that stuff aside, you know, Michigan at its best, wants to control the line of scrimmage and kind of grind their opponents into, into a pile of dust. And they do that through the run game. And, and like you said earlier, I mean, they have two of the best backs in college football. So um, I know it's become a quarterback's award, but if you're kind of putting, towards a, putting forward a Michigan guy to be one of those Heisman candidates, I, I think that Blake Corm is probably the leading guy in my eyes. Anthony, we have about a minute left. Will Johnson's an absolute superstar in the backfield for the Wolverines on defense. People may not be aware of who he is just yet. Who else are some key guys that they should look out for this year from the defensive side of the ball? Yeah, Will Johnson's a stud. I think whenever he winds up coming out uh, for the NFL draft, which will at least be next year, he's probably a top 10, top 15 pick. Uh, Junior Colson at linebacker, I think, is going to have a big year now that their depth is a little bit better at the linebacker position. Uh, Rod Moore at safety, I think, is as as rock solid a, a safety as there is in the country, nobody, I'd be surprised if many people watch more film than he does. Uh, he's just always in the right place at the right time. So, and Chris Jenkins as well, uh, up front on the defensive line. I think he has, you know, he's put on some weight. He's over 300 pounds now. I think he has a chance to be really disruptive uh, as a run stopper and a little bit more as a pass rusher heading into his senior season. So uh, those are the guys that are right at the top of my mind when it comes to uh, stars on this defense. Anthony Broom. Michigan beat writer of the Wolverine.com. We appreciate the time, pal. Of course. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Follow him on Twitter at Anthony T. Broom. Hail to the victors. Probably going to be a pretty good year for the kids up there in Ann Arbor, but maybe a trip to State College in November will change their tune. We'll continue here on Chart Money.
There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Gotta get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. In just a few taps in the Angie app or clicks on the site. You can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. Renters, you can use Angie too for moving, installations, or cleaning. Angie can even help with extremely specific projects. Just tell them what you need, and Angie will find the right solution for you. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com, or download the app today. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Hour number two, Sharp Money, Jared Smith in for Patrick today. I'm all Shaw here as well. And joining us now uh, from BamaOnline.com, senior analyst, joined by Travis Ryer. And, and we talked a little bit, Travis, about the college football news today regarding Jim Harbaugh. But obviously, Alabama has a completely different uh, situation. It's unique. And we've had, I was going through the list of quarterback names over the last, five years or so, starting with Jalen Hurts, then Tua, then Mac Jones, and Bryce Young. I mean, these are all guys playing, starting MVP-level type quarterbacks, perhaps, in the NFL. Now we have a question mark next to the starting quarterback situation in Tuscaloosa for the first time maybe in almost a decade. And it's a kid by the name of Jalen Milrow, who, by the way, is about 60-1 to 1 right now to win the Heisman. Did start one game last year for the injured Bryce Young, but... Those are big shoes to fill, right, Travis? Where does Jalen Milrow slot into the Alabama quarterback battle heading into camp? Well, 
Well, he's certainly one of those three guys at this point. It's almost impossible to maybe pick a favorite between Milrow and Tyler Simpson and uh, Tyler Buckner coming in from Notre Dame. So it's a three-horse race, and it's going to be fascinating to watch Nick Saban and new offensive coordinator Tommy Reese try to They'll get that thing narrowed down to at least two guys as quickly as they can. They'll have a couple of fall camp scrimmages, and then before you know it, it'll be time for Middle Tennessee with Texas on deck. So certainly some urgency there. Uh, I think when you look at all three candidates, there's some things that you can point to as favoring that potential candidate. I think for Milrow, uh, in an offense that's run heavy, that you anticipate being more run heavy or at least the first priority being the run game more so than it's been the last couple of years. Uh, He can facilitate that and he can also contribute to that uh, with his skill set. And then you look at Ty Simpson, he's kind of a in-between guy. He can run it, but he's uh, probably the more polished of the two or three passers. I'd say Buckner's up there too. And the little bit I've seen of him and, you know, Buckner showed you in Notre Dame's, Gator Bowl win over South Carolina. He can he can mm. do it with his legs too. So I think there's going to be a mix that's required, and ultimately, uh, I think ball security, taking care of the football, uh, turnovers, and keeping those to a minimum is going to go a long way in determining the winner. Travis, how do you like this uh, rotation of the wide receiver position? Tremaine Burton, obviously the Georgia transfer from last year, and then Cor- Jacory Brooks, and then potentially Kobe Prentice, uh, Isaiah Bond, and Emmanuel Henderson. Who, who are some of the guys that you think could emerge for this team? Because we're so used to Bama having just absolute dudes at the receiver position. Yeah, just in terms of depth, of talent, you like it a lot. You know, last season, you know, Burton and Brooks did some good things. Uh, they kind of combine to give you a, a, a wide receiver, a first, a number one wide receiver. Uh, they didn't individually give you the kind of production that maybe you had seen in previous seasons from Devontae Smith, uh, Jamison Williams, some of those guys. But uh, coming back is a little different feel to it this time around because a year ago, even with the departures of Mechie and Williams from the previous season, you kind of figured that Bryce would lift the play the wide receivers and really the skill talent around him in general. And so this time around, you're looking at guys like Burton and Brooks and Malik Benson coming in from the junior college ranks, a couple of freshmen that you played a year ago and Isaiah Bond, Kobe Prentice, you're, you're thinking, you know, these guys might be able to lift the quarterback play. You haven't really needed that over the last four or five years, but um, more so than, than certainly the last couple of years, I think it's going to be on these veteran wide receivers to to help the quarterback out. Joined by Travis Ryer, senior analyst over at BamaOnline.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Travis Ryer. And, and it's when I handicap college football teams, a red flag for me is when the team is replacing both the offensive and defensive coordinator. Their early success sometimes can be a little bit choppy. That's what we see on the defensive side as well. We talk about the offensive side of the ball, new coordinator this year, new quarterback this year on the defensive side of the ball. Kevin Steele, who had a ton of success at Auburn, has a big task in front of him, replacing some really talented players, especially up front. When we think about Alabama, recently it's been more offense, but at their core, at their guts, a great defensive team. What should we expect from the Crimson Tide on the defensive side of the ball this year with a new coordinator? Yeah, the good thing with Kevin is there's certainly a familiarity there between himself and Nick having worked together in a couple of previous stints at Alabama. So I think it's a stabilizing hire. I know that sounds kind of crazy when you consider that 
you know, you're replacing a guy that spent the last four or five years at the helm of that Alabama defense and Pete Golding. But again, as we know, Kevin Steele, a guy that's been around the block, he's been around the block with Nick. So I think that's a good thing, but uh, they do have to replace a ton of production really at every level of the defense. So uh, they've got talent, as you might expect. They continue to recruit at a very high level, but up front, a second-year player like Jaheim Otis right there in the middle of that defensive line is going to be uh, counted on heavily. I think getting Justin be back healthy for a fifth year at the end position is going to be very important. And they've got some edge guys that you know a lot about. Dallas Turner, Chris Braswell, uh, Will Anderson moving on, but you still feel good about some of those guys at the edge spots, inside linebacker and safety right up the middle of that defense. Uh, they're counting on Caleb Downs, a true freshman at safety, a fantastic young player who I think you're going to hear some comparisons to Minka Fitzpatrick probably before it's all said and done. Uh, inside linebacker, you lose a lot of experience there. So Deontay Lawson's a guy that played a lot last season. I think they're going to ask him to, to take on more of the load. And you know who is that play caller at inside linebacker? They brought in Trez Marshall, a transfer from Georgia, Justin Jefferson, a promising junior college prospect, is now in that mix. So, uh, corner you like with what you got there because Kuwait McKinstry, an All-American, Terry and Arnold played a good bit last season, and they really like a young nickelback uh, that they've got an Earl Little Jr., whose father, it may sound familiar, was a really good defensive back for Miami back in the day. So, you know, there are pieces, as you, again, would have expected Alabama, but as far as documented game production, absolutely a lot to replace. Travis, you took my next question. I was going to ask you about Dallas Turner and Caleb Downs. Well, let's go to the other side of the ball then. Jace McClellan, potentially the starting running back there. You look at the room, Justice Haynes, a big-time freshman coming in there, Roydell Williams as well. Tell me a little bit about how you see the starter or who would be and then how the depth lines up at the tailback position, which has always been a key cog in the Bama offense. It has been key, and I think it's going to be even more key because I don't think they're going to be as quarterback-centric as they've been with Bryce Young, certainly the last couple of years, or even back before that to us. So uh, they're going to lean on that depth at running back. And Jace is a guy that has a lot of experience. He's had a couple of injuries. uh, So can he stay healthy over the course of 13, 14, 15 games? Uh, That's important, but that depth certainly gives them some some security there uh, with Justice Haynes coming in as an outstanding young freshman back. And you said Roy L. Williams, don't forget about this guy. He can bring some thump and he's, uh, I think, a good fit for what Tommy Reese wants to do. More direct runs, I think, with Tommy Reese and this offense and letting this offensive line really get after people on early downs especially. So Roy L. is kind of a, a one-cut runner. I think that fits him well and um, you know, Jam Miller's a guy that's going into his second year. Uh, really, really good back, promising back as well. Running style, similar to Roy Dell's, probably more of a burst and an ability to bounce and get to the corner. So uh, he's going to be in that mix. And, you know, they still have, they brought in another five-star over the summer and uh, Richard Young, who along with Justice Haynes gave him a heck of a one-two punch in this most recent recruiting class. Travis, what's the offensive line shaping out to be like this year? Bama, I, you know, even with Bryce Young, who was probably maybe one of the smartest players in the history of college football last year, they were still outside the top 30 
in sacks per game. Offensive line, a little leaky. Bryce, of course, got hurt at one point. Do we think it's going to be a little more secure up front for whoever's under center for the Tide this year? Yeah, I think they're counting on that area being the identity for their offense, if not their football team in general. Kind of retro Bama a little bit. Uh, obviously, the quarterback's still going to have to make some plays. You know, it's an era of football right now where you can't just hide a quarterback or the, the, the passing game. But first and foremost, absolutely. You know, with a guy like J.C. Latham back at tackle, Seth McLaughlin at center, Tyler Booker in there at guard, Darian Dahlcourt, uh, a veteran player that's back. Looks like he's going to be more of an option at guard after starting each of the last two seasons with the ones at center. Uh, so they've got a nice mix. Nice mix of talent uh, and some guys that have played a lot. So uh, I think for sure that offensive line, they're counting on it being an absolute strength for, again, not just the offense, but for the team in general. Travis, outside of the LSU and the Texas games, which are both in Tuscaloosa, what other game concerns you as a Bama fan or backer this year? You know, I think the good news for Alabama is in September, Texas is in Tuscaloosa. In October, Tennessee is in Tuscaloosa. Mm. In November, LSU is in Tuscaloosa. So I believe people look at Alabama's schedule and think, wow, this sets up perfectly for them. And when you talk about those three specific games, absolutely. I think they really needed to have Texas in Tuscaloosa this time around <laughs> because of the transition they're going to be going through. But you know, I think there's some games on the road, a game like Texas A&M in early October. You know, if A&M actually lives up to it this time around, uh, that will be a tough, tough matchup for Alabama. So I would say those three or four games are what you're going to look at first and foremost. Travis Ryer, senior analyst for BamaOnline.com. Follow him on Twitter at Travis Ryer. We appreciate the time, pal. Hey, thanks, guys. Thank you. Yeah, roll tide. I, I do think A&M might be a little better than people think, and that could be an early fun home dog spot for the Aggies. Well, they've historically, it seems like in many situations, they've played them tough last yeah. year. It was a very, very tight game. So we'll see what Jimbo's got on the line there. I'll tell you one thing though. Jimbo doesn't get out of the block strong. He might not even be there for that game. <laughs> yeah. Tough times for coach Fisher. Sharp money continues next. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. All right, third and final hour, Sharp Money. Jared Smith in for Patrick today. Amal Shaw here. And joining us on the desk, in the flesh. I haven't seen you in a while. It's been a while. Senior analyst. I'm good, but I am grinding my way through a baseball season that is filled with many uh, no run, yes run, first inning sweats, disasters, some wins, some losses, and. A lot of fun. What is the overall vibe of the baseball landscape as we now approach trade deadline a few days away? I think first your definition of fun is different from mine. So there is that. Look, I mean, obviously a lot of the talk right now is on the trade deadline with that being nine days. Well, no, a week away, actually. Yeah. Uh, Nine days away from the release of the Vista college football betting guide, which is why I had that in mind. But yeah, I mean, we're a week away from the trade deadline. Obviously, there are a lot of moving parts, some very interesting things. I think last night with San Diego losing to Pittsburgh, I think that kind of cements their status as being a seller. I thought they had to sweep that wow. series because just because of the way the national league playoff picture looks, but they lose last night. Darvish doesn't look very good. We'll see what they do tonight with Snell in a massive favorite role. But I just think at this point in time, there's probably too much equity for the Padres not to sell. 
And you got a series for the Angels coming up, too, against the Tigers, where, you know, the Tigers are maybe closer to the Angels level than people realize, but those are games you got to win if you want to be a playoff contender. So some interesting series here coming up this week. And then obviously this weekend that will kind of determine what the path will be for teams on Monday and Tuesday. I think Adam brings up a couple of great points. First of all, I thought the Padres season ended at citizens bank ballpark. When they pull Blake Snell out of the game against the Phillies early in that one, they blow it. And then they end up losing the next two games after that. And so for me, the Padres are done. They get shelled yesterday with Darvish on the bump. And I think in Adam's case, I don't want to speak for Adam, but just having had an opportunity to kind of get to know him over the last six months, I think Adam is hoping, like myself, for probably a potential baseball strike. Really? No, we, you know, listen, he's a big college football guy. He's an Ohio State guy. Of course, Hasn't he loves college football. Since 94, right? Well, there was yeah. a strike in between then, right? 94 was the last baseball. They got real close. Yeah. They got close they got a couple close. times. Are we even in danger of that? Or is no, this no, no, no. They just signed an agreement okay, in 22. Okay, They're okay. fine. But well, you, know, you, you asked him the question. So here's the thing. We had actually a great conversation during the commercial we break. Did. If you had like $12 million, what would you do? And, I, you know, you were saying you would probably like bet, play, dice, whatever. Uh, Adam, Dustin, myself, we all said we'd never be in a casino ever again. And the you reality. are the smart ones. Well, I don't know about one. that, but I just love hanging I, out I here drinking t- my mimosas and playing craps. Again, I don't want to speak for Burke and his wife, but I know what they would be doing. They'd be on the tour. I just want to know what bands you'd be following around the country. I, I wouldn't follow any band because I'd be able to see anyone that I wanted to. Private jet so. fly into the Taylor Swift concert. Boom. In yeah. and out that night. Not a Swifty. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of selling, though. This is the most interesting topic of conversation that I think I've had on a show in the last month or so, and it's surrounding the Shohei Otani. I don't even want to call it a dilemma because I think there are two very obvious, logical ways to approach this, what the Angels should do and what they will do. They should trade Shohei Otani. To me, that makes more sense than almost any business decision I've ever made in my life coming down to where I go shopping for my groceries every day. But Will the Angels trade Shohei Otani? I think the answer to that question is the more fascinating one. Yeah, I mean, sad to say, I think the answer is no. I mean, I, I think they should. I understand why they don't. I mean, from a PR standpoint, it it's very hard to defend. Agreed. And especially at the gate, it's really, really hard to defend because, look, you may only have this guy for two months, but he is the best baseball player that we will probably ever see. So unless you want attendance to really bottom out. Now, of course, there are advanced ticket sales and, and stuff like that, but there will be a lot of people in the month of September that will go see Shohei Otani because they can, because he could be a Met next year. He could be a Dodger. He could be a Mariner. He could be who knows where he winds up going from a baseball standpoint, 10 times out of 10, hundred times out of a hundred thousand times out of a thousand, you make that deal because your minor league system is pathetic, has been for a long time. And say what you will about Mike Trout and concerns about the back and all that. You still have this guy for a long time and you need to build around him. He's had one playoff series in his career, one, which is embarrassing. So the angels should trade Otani. I don't think that they're going to, I think they're still going to cling to this idea that they have a chance to make the playoffs when I really don't think that they do, but yeah, I think it's going to be anybody who wants an Otani deal probably ends up being disappointed. Yeah. I, I agree with Adam completely. To me, this is an absolute no brainer. Uh, by the way, the angels have Mike trout, including uh, next year for another seven seasons. Oh, and wow. you know, that's, that's a long way to go. Adam's absolutely right. You've got to replenish your farm system as much as you can. You've got the best piece that you're ever going to have. I mean, even they could have traded trout years ago and gotten something Adam. I'm excuse, excuse me, Jared, when you look at this, but if they stay with this guy, what are they looking for to get into a wild card? 
That's best case, I think, because well, I don't think you're passing both Houston and Texas. Maybe one, not the other. And I'll say this. I just fired up over at vcin.com. So this is my form of protest. I believe that the trade deadline should be an off day for everybody. It is a very, very emotional day for the teams, for the players, for their point. families. Right, exactly. on the field during a game. And then, I mean, I remember, so I was in Akron at a Akron Arrows game when the Ubaldo Jimenez trade was coming down for Cleveland. And Colorado knowing he was traded still sent him out there. Wow. And he started that game and he gave up like five runs in the first inning, something like that. He had no idea where home plate was. He was an emotional wreck. I mean, people call it the business of baseball and you know, all of us do our jobs when we have stuff going on and all that. But the trade deadline is just a very difficult thing. You know, well, you're your, moving. your kids, your kids yeah. play with that guy's kids. Your we wives get the together. Day that we're moving. Right. Exactly. Moving day tends to be a day that we're so moving. So what I do, this is my form of protest over at vston.com on trade deadline day. Next Tuesday, I will be doing a live blog, updating all the trades that happen, any futures odds that move around, stuff like that. Obviously there are some guys very much in the Cy Young discussion who could end up being moved next Monday, next Tuesday. So I'll be doing that, but Long story short, when I put this up yesterday, Otani was minus 220 at DraftKings to stay with the Angels. It's minus 265 now, and I would expect that to continue growing as we get forward. Frankly, yeah, I I would be very, very shocked if if they traded him, and they could lose all their games between now and next Tuesday. I'd still be surprised if they traded him. By the way, I said they should push the trade deadline to September 1st. Then it gives teams more concrete situation where you want to make a push. Like, isn't the non-waiver right? The they don't do that anymore. They yeah. don't do the I think they took that out in the CBA. Mm, interesting. But look, I mean, with the extra playoff spot, I mean, it does make it difficult to know exactly where yeah. you stand, whether 100%. you're a buyer or a seller. With that said, though, if you are a seller, I mean, this is a perfect trade deadline for you because everybody in the playoff picture, even the Braves, who are like the best team we've seen in a long time, even they need pitching help. They desperately so need starting every pitching one help. of the teams that's a contender needs pitching help from a seller. So there's a lot of leverage out there. If you're a team that has a viable working starting pitcher or reliever to really maximize your return and maximize your investment. And I think that's a good thing not to get into a huge macro discussion about baseball, but I think it's a really good thing for the game going forward because we're starting to see more parity. Now it seems like the angels getting better Baltimore leading the American league East stuff like that. There are going to be some teams that get some really good prospects here for rental pitchers or rental position players that should eventually help kind of close the gap a little bit and make everybody a little bit more competitive. Yeah. Uh, the ball's being juiced. I saw this, uh, by the way, you're, uh, the baseball podcast out today, right? You mm-hmm. have picks on the card and I saw one of the topics balls juiced. I, I did kind of tweet out tongue in cheek last night that I think the balls are juiced and your article that you sent me like six months ago about last year, the balls, I don't want to call them juice, but they were, I guess, different. Certain balls weighted heavier in different spots. Tell me why the balls aren't juiced, but also talk about that situation in baseball and why there might be a little discrepancy between the baseballs. So I wouldn't put it past Rob Manfred to do anything that changes kind of the integrity or the, or the fundamental nature of the game. So I think it is very much possible that at some point there could be a new ball introduced into play. And perhaps it has already happened, but I will say that when you look at the data from the first nine days of July compared to the last 10 days of July. So basically before the all-star break, after the all-star break average fly ball distance is only up one foot. The home run to fly ball percentage is up more than a percent. However, the infield fly ball percentage is down over 2%. So basically what I think is happening here is 
when guys are making fly ball contact, they're simply making better fly ball contact. They're not popping things up as much, which means they are able to drive the baseball. Also, people I'm sure have noticed it's been absurdly hot around the country. Really hot, hot, humid, record high temperatures, all that kind of thing. Plus, we saw a big uptick in offense with pitchers coming back from the all-star break that had been off eight, nine, 10 days, something like that. The home run to fly ball percentage is still high, even with guys making their second starts. But I think it just largely has to do with making a little bit better quality of contact on fly balls right now. I don't think that there's enough statistical evidence to say that the balls are juiced, but there have been more home runs. So, of course, people will kind of say that. (laughs) Well, I mean, to your point right now, when you look around the country, it is insanely hot in the summertime. and You see the numbers reflecting that. But, you know, a couple of years ago, I think the Twins had, what, like 10 guys that were double digits in home runs on their team. The balls were very juiced in 2019. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I think seven teams broke what was the original yes. record for home the, runs yeah. in a season. And then wasn't the COVID manufacturing issue cause some of the mm-hmm. lingering effects in 21 and 22, but that article, I think it was insider that put that article out in December. I mean, the evidence was pretty, was pretty overwhelming that there was not only two, three different balls used last season. I, by the way, real quick, I'll tell you one thing they got to go to. They got to go to robo umps. Oh, the, the ball strike call, I some of these guys, they're dinosaurs behind the plate. It's really bad. I got the benefit of a call a couple of days ago. It was so egregious. The I, Cubs-Cardinals game the other day with the in the eighth inning, there was a bad one. There's been some That's the one. Hey, that's exactly the one. Yeah, that's exactly there what There have been, and they have the technology, right, Adam? Because we see it on the television broadcast every day. You yeah. see the ball come right across the plane. It hits the little corner. Just buzz them right in their ear. Strike. And it's very, very quick. The batter just taps his helmet. And if the umpire agrees, they review it. It takes seconds. It's a very easy thing to do. I will say, though, not I know we're on up against the break, but all the rule changes that they've been experimenting with in the minor leagues have been a giant pain in the backside this season because you've had so many pitcher injuries and dudes getting called up. Like, AAA has the automated strike zone. Walk rates are higher there than they have been because of it. In AA, they had pre-tacked balls with, like, kind of a stickier substance on the outside. Like, nobody could hit the first month and a half of the season. It's been very frustrating to analyze minor league stats as guys get called up. Baseball changes. People fear change, but sometimes the rules are good. Adam Burke, one more segment, right, bud? College yes, football as well, and we'll maybe touch on some more baseball best bets for tonight here on Sharp Money. Stay with us on VEASAN. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Got to get it fixed. 
I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. With just a few taps on the app, you can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. It's your one-stop shop. Angie can help you find the best price for your project by comparing quotes from multiple pros in just a few taps or book services at an upfront price based on local data. They get the difficulties that can come with home projects. They get it. Why not make it as simple as possible? Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com or download the app today. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash iHeart. That's lifelock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Download the DraftKings app today. New customers can bet five, get 150 in bonus money instantly. You can use promo code VEASAN when you sign up. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for full terms and conditions. Sharp Money continues. Jared Smith in for Patrick today. Amal Shaw here as well. And joining us now, ESPN and SEC network analysts to continue the college football conversation, which we have talked a lot about today. He also is a serious XM host. None other than Chris Doring. Follow him on Twitter at Chris Doring. And Chris, we were kind of getting into some of the Harbaugh news and some of the other things happening with Alabama today. I think the Alabama stuff, especially with the quarterback situation and that division, which I think LSU might be a bit of a, I don't want to call them sneaky because we know they're very talented, but maybe they're a little bit closer to Alabama then the odds are indicating right now Alabama is the favorite to win the SEC West minus 105 LSU two to one. What's your take on the Alabama LSU debate? Which team do you think has the inside track to be playing in the SEC championship game? Yeah, I'm with you, man. I'm all about LSU and I, I, I don't really understand the Alabama love. I certainly, you know, uh, I think Nick Saban's the greatest to ever do it. Uh, I understand the history of success they've had, but when you look at, at the rosters, when you look at the quarterback position, uh, Jaden Daniels returning for LSU. I think he's the best quarterback in the conference. Uh, you look at uh, Malik Neighbors. I think he's one of the best wide receivers in the conference. You look at the defense. You get Mason Smith back. It's like a, a free agent transfer getting him after losing him in the first game last year. Uh, Harold Perkins Jr. I mean, they, they've got so many players that I feel really good about. Brian Kelly did an absolute bang-up job in year number one in Baton Rouge. So 
I think they're the favorite. And then I look at I look at Alabama uh, quarterback issues. Don't know who's taking over. That's offensive line has been a problem the last couple of years, and the receiver position has really been a bit of a disappointment. I, I don't understand the lack of development. They certainly recruit the best players at those two positions, but they haven't had luck the last couple of years in developing them the way that we've come to expect in Tuscaloosa. Chris, I want to go to your former school, the Florida Gators. They bring in Graham Mertz, the transfer from uh, Wisconsin. I'm not necessarily enamored with him, but what does this team need to do to really get back on track to where Florida was at one point in time? Uh, and in your opinion, is Billy Napier the guy to get them to that level? Yeah, I, I think he is absolutely the, the guy to get them to that level. I've been really impressed with the plan that he's had in place for uh, taking over this job. I think it's a good job that nobody had uh, an idea of just how extensive it actually was. This this roster has been completely devoid of, of SEC elite talent. Uh, so trying to hit the recruiting trail, trying to hit the transfer portal has been job number one. Florida has one of the top uh, recruiting classes set for the 2024 class right now. And uh, the problem is, is that those guys are not on campus. And when they do get on campus, uh, they're going to be, you know, some, some projects in terms of development. Uh, I think the defense is going to be a lot better this year. Austin Armstrong takes over a much more talented uh, defensive side of the ball than what Patrick Tony had to deal with last year. Uh, I think the offensive line and the running back group is going to be the strengths of this team. Uh, and then Graham Mertz, if he can just be a, a, a manager of the game, if he can limit the turnovers, if he can make the throws when it's, he, he has the opportunities. I, I think this team uh, can be a little bit better than what people expect. But let's be honest, guys, the Vegas over-under win total is only five and a half. That is certainly not Florida Gator-esque. Mm, it certainly is not. My mom, who is a Gator alum, would not be happy with that win total, and, and she knows nothing about the team, but I'm sure she would bet over blindly. Um, <laughs> we're, joined, we're joined here by Chris Doring, ESPN, and ABC analyst. You can also find him over at SiriusXM. Follow him on Twitter at Chris Doring. So we've done half of a segment about the SEC. We haven't mentioned the defending national champs, the Georgia Bulldogs. It, it is a very interesting year for Georgia, not on the defensive side. I think they're going to be just as good on, on, on that side of the ball. Kirby Smart does, does such great work, but it's the offensive side of the ball that I'm very interested in. Leaving is Todd Munkin, who I thought really was the architect. You get Mike Bobo now in at OC and Carson Beck, the starting quarterback for the Georgia Bulldogs. So, Chris, what are we going to be thinking about, talking about, looking at when we talk about this Georgia offense heading into this season? Yeah, I feel like a little bit of a hypocrite, guys, because the things I held against Alabama, new offensive coordinator, new quarterback, are things that are going on in Athens as well. And I just don't hold them against the Bulldogs quite as much as I do the Tide, uh, simply because I think the talent surrounding Carson Beck, we're assuming Carson Beck's going to win that job, uh, but whoever wins that job is going to be surrounded by an offensive line that's the best in the conference and one of the best in the country. It's going to be surrounded by receivers that are elite, not only at the wide receiver spot, but the tight end spot, the best in the country when you talk about Brock Bowers and company there. Uh, the running back group is, is going to be strong again, and, and you mentioned the defense. We saw them two years ago lose five guys to the, the NFL draft in the first round, and they barely missed the beat last year. Uh, they'll lose a couple guys from, from last year's team, but I think the secondary will be better this year after a lot of young guys got the much-needed experience. And uh, we know what, what Ker, uh, Kirby Smart does in terms of recruiting and developing uh, front seven guys. Those guys will be nasty up front. So I have no doubt, given what they return, given the uh, schedule uh, that they're going to finish the season 12 and 0 and win another SEC championship game. 
Chris, let's go to back to the SEC West for a minute. College Station, a lot of pressure on Jimbo Fisher. You've got potentially Connor Wegman or Max Johnson at the starting quarterback as an all-SEC wide receiver in your career. You played with the greatest SEC quarterback of all time. I don't want to hear any Tim Tebow crap. Let's just shut it down right now before we go there. Danny Werfel's the best quarterback I saw. For, he won four SEC titles. Let me tell you, you have no idea how much money I spent on pay-per-view at Ohio State watching your team play. It is unbelievable. That fun gun team was unbelievable. By the way, the best game I ever saw was that when you guys put up 41 in the second half half against the big orange or I should call him the little orange in that game but <laughs> tell me where A&M comes out here this year do you believe in Wegman or Max Johnson bro you're getting me hype over here <laughs> I love getting me hyped I don't even go to Florida they put up 41 <laughs> they scored 62 I, literally I was just talking to coach Spurrier about that game yesterday we recorded a little podcast that I'm doing and we were down I think like 31 14 right before yep. half I kill your catches the touchdown to make it single digits and then we go on our a run where we score like six more consecutive touchdowns. So we'll say uh, an offensive shootout for sure for us. But um, back to your question about Texas A&M. Um, I'm, I'm actually kind of high on Connor Wegman. You know, I think Connor Wegman had a chance to get his feet wet last year. We know about pedigree coming out of high school. Um, I, I'm interested to see <laughs> at, at the uh, SEC media days last week, uh, Jimbo Fisher would not admit that he was handing play calling duties over to Bobby Petrino. Mm. I'm interested to see how Bobby Petrino uh, develops Connor Wegman and Max Johnson for that matter. Uh, I'm, I'm interested to see just how involved uh, Jimbo Fisher is. I talked to some defensive coordinators in the league from last year and just said, you know, Jimbo Fisher's play calling uh, and offense in general was so antiquated. Uh, they need an infusion of, of life and some juice. So, Hopefully, Bobby Petrino can do that. But this is a team I actually think we talked earlier about you know, LSU. I don't think LSU is a dark horse in the West at all because of, of, of all we talked about before. I think A&M actually could be a bit of a dark horse, which is saying a lot because the last two years they've been way over high. Anytime we get an Ike Hilliard reference on the show, I feel like it's a winning day for us here. That's right. At VC. <laughs> I don't think we I, can even go I, from there. Hold on one second. I forget AM. Who cares about them? They're going to be eight and four at best. Let's forget that. Listen, let's go back to this 95 team. This was unbelievable. <laughs> Let me tell you right now. These guys, I, I'm telling you, I was throwing remotes that day because I had taken the Gators in that game. That offense was so good. I'm, I'm, I still call him Super Danny Werfel because he's the best college quarterback I've seen. But you look at yourself, Hilliard, and Redell Anthony, Terry Jackson, people forget how great this team was. It's impressive name drop. Yeah, I can right tell there. you, our receiving core was better than most that I was on in the NFL. You mentioned Ike Hilliard, Redell Anthony. Uh, it was me. It was Jacquez Green. It was Travis oh, I Green. I mean, our five wide was oh. Yeah, I mean, we we were better than any five that you could roll out there defensively. I always had a mismatch, and, and certainly Danny knew how to take advantage of it. It, it was so much fun being a part of that uh, run-up in, in terms of success. I, I got four SEC championship rings in my five years there. I, I did miss out on the national championship, which obviously uh, we got blown out by Nebraska in that uh, 96 Fiesta Bowl. But the guys came back the next year, won the schools first, and I feel like I, I had a small part in that, mm. in, at least the foundation of it. Based on your last answer, I think I know what you're going to say here, but I'll ask it anyways. So there were three teams last year in the SEC that didn't get to a bowl game. They failed to win six games, Vanderbilt, Auburn, and A&M. Of those three, A&M, the highest riser this year that you think yeah. have a chance to yeah. maybe make some noise? Yeah, there's a lot of, of returning uh, experience on both sides of the ball. I mean, last year you go back and look at that front seven. They had 17- and 18-year-old guys getting starts in their front seven. So those guys will be better this year. 
you know, I think you, you look at the offensive line. I think those guys will be better. Anaya Smith comes, comes back from that injury that he suffered in September last season. That'll be a big addition. Uh, so I'm, I'm a little higher on Texas A&M than the other two. But I think, I think Auburn actually could be a little bit of a surprise this season. With Hugh Freeze taking over, there's a little bit of juice there in Auburn right now. And I, I think they could get to maybe six, seven wins possibly. Not surprised that Vanderbilt was not mentioned. No, but I'm, d- I'm more disappointed that I forgot number five, Quezzy Green. <laughs> he was so good. I'm, I'm going to be distraught over that all night tonight. That's Chris Doring, ESPN <laughs> SEC analyst and arguably Amal Shaw's favorite college football player um, from, from back in the 90s. We appreciate the I'm time, I'm telling pal. you, you watched Terry Glenn at Ohio State and you watched the <laughs> receivers at Florida. There was nothing better on a college football Saturday. By the way, you had to do the segment for free anyway. I spent probably $200 that year having to pay pay-per-view to watch these guys. You hear that, Chris? He's going to send uh, you a bill oh, in the yeah. mail. At least, we <laughs> uh, at least we, we delivered wins for you, man. I appreciate you, did. you guys having me. Thank you. Good stuff, Chris Doring. Of course, catch him on Sirius XM as well. The SEC, tough conference to cat, but conference of champions, right? No Can't question. argue with it. Stay with us here on Sharp Money. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.